Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church Podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. I'm kicking off a new series today. And uh, again, go to Church Center app. And, and I just felt like for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the subject of prayer and uh, just really what the Lord wants to do through prayer. There's a love-hate relationship with prayer sometimes. Uh, sometimes we don't know how to pray. Sometimes we don't know what we should pray. Sometimes we don't know if we should be religious in our prayers, how much is too much. And some of us, we pray prayers that are just really short, like, help, you know, prayers like that. And we just pray different prayers in our life. And uh, what you have to understand is prayer is a key part of everything we do as a Christ follower. You know, prayer is similar to communication in your marriage. You know, if your communication's off in your marriage, your marriage is off. I can tell you that right now. If your communication's off in relationships, your relationships are off. I can tell you that right now. It's guaranteed. Why? Because communication is the bridge by which you have relationship with somebody, and that's what prayer is. Prayer is communicating with God. It's communicating with Him in a way, and it's not religious. And I'm hoping over the next few weeks just to break down the stigmas and the myths of what prayer is. And really, it's the vital, and and it affects every area of your life. It doesn't just affect part of your life. It affects all of your life. The quality of your life is connected or directly connected to the quality of your prayer life. I know I ain't going to get a lot of amens on this because prayer requires you to set some time aside. And, and I really believe that the, the way you, the, there's a way to pray that transforms every area of your life, your marriage, your finance, your friendships, your job, your character, your thinking, your vision, all stems back to how well you are doing when it comes to your prayer life. Hudson Taylor put it this way, when you work, you work, but when you pray, God works. Come on, how many want God to work in your life? If you want God to work in your life, you're going to have to start to get on your knees and, and pray and seek the Lord. And, and, and I'm not a knee guy. I like to pace. I'm a pacer. I lay down on the floor and start praying. It's over, y'all. I'm gone. Good night. I used to try that at Bible school, you know, because that's the religious posture is just to be on your knees and seek him. And, you know, we're going to go at it for hours. Fifteen minutes in, I'm out. Praise the Lord. I got to walk. If not, I'll fall asleep. And so, um, the, the, and I'm going to take the text for the series out of Matthew chapter 6. And uh, really, this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount series that Jesus did. And it was during Jesus' day in Matthew chapter 6, it was, it was during his day that walking the earth that he was, a, he was a rabbi. And rabbis, what they would do is they would teach their followers short, brief, little prayers that they could pray throughout the day. And the idea was for them not to pray it verbatim. It was actually, they were giving them a blueprint of prayer that they could build a house of prayer on. And so it wasn't just, okay, pray this specific wording in a religious way. It was, this is the blueprint, and it all means something that leads you to a greater level of prayer. And so Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to take the Lord's Prayer. It's one of those prayers that, that he would write up and he would give to his disciples that they could pray. It was brief, it was quick, but it meant something. Matthew 6 Verse 5 says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand, uh, pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So it's not, prayer is not a demonstrative just being in front of somebody because you can say that you're spiritual. Uh, verse 6 says, but when you pray, go into your bedroom or go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
He will reward you. Some of you have been believing God for certain things in your life, your finances, your kids. Some of you believe in God for your kids today. You want your kids to love Jesus. You want them to follow Jesus. You want, you want them to be on fire for Jesus. Well, guess what? It's going to start with you learning how to pray. It's going to start with you sitting out, trying to reason it, trying to figure it out. You're going to have to shut the door to the distractions, go in your bedroom, and you're going to have to call out to the Heavenly Father that's in secret. And guess what? The reward will be your kids start to change. You with me this morning? And then he says this, he says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. I love that verse because, because I don't have to say a lot. I don't have to babble through my prayers, right? And I don't have to use the King James Version to do it either, right? I don't have to pray like that. I don't have to be like, you know, keep believing it and thou doeth it in my life. No, it's, that's not how prayer works. It's not religious babblings. How many of you ever watched the show Meet the Parents? You remember his prayer at the dinner table? And when he was praying at the dinner table and he was like, I forget how it all went, but it was funny at the time. Praise the Lord. Let's keep moving. <laughs> and so when you pray, you don't have to babble through it, right? Like the pagans, he says, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Some of you think it's got to be lengthy. Some of you think it's got to be loud and it's got to be lengthy. And Sometimes that's it. It depends what kind of warfare you're in. He says, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Then the question begs, why do I ask him if he already knows? Right? It's because God's given us a choice. God's given us a will. Right? Yeah, he knows. He knows what we need. But there's something in our pursuit of him. Because then here's what happens. If he already knows what we need and we can just go, okay, God, do whatever you want to do, then he just becomes a big, big, big sugar daddy in the sky and you just want him to drop answers on you. No, the Bible tells us that we have a part to play in this thing. And he says this. He says, this then is how you should pray. He gives us a blueprint. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's a whole lot in that passage. And what I'm going to do over the next few weeks is I'm going to take that prayer and I'm just going to break it down for you. Every week it's going to be a different thought from this prayer. And what the love, it's a gift, right? This prayer that God has given us is a gift. He gave us a gift on how to talk to him. He gave us a gift on how to pray to him. Now, God's not, again, it's a blueprint. It's not verbatim. It's not every night, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? It's not, that's not it. There's something to those, there's something to the blueprint that God wants us to get. And there's seven aspects of personal prayer in this, and we're going to look at those. The first one is establishing his presence. It's, it's our Father who art in heaven. His name's not Art. Come on, somebody. But it, it's, it's about establishing his presence. Number two is expanding his kingdom. He says, your kingdom come, right? On earth as it is in heaven. Some, and verse three is submitting to his will. And it's, it's, it's your will be done on earth, Lord. And then number, verse four, uh, number four is praying in his blessing. Isn't it funny that we don't talk about ourselves until number four? We don't, we don't actually start prayer with us. He says, give us this day our daily bread. This is the first time we ask for something for ourselves. How many of us go into prayer and we start right away, God, I need this, God, I need that. You know, you put on Facebook, pray, we need you to pray, 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 somebody pray, pray, pray. When's the last time you worship, worship, worship? Because that's how it starts, right? And so he says this, it's the, verse, and then the fifth one is establishing a clean heart. He says, forgive us as we forgive, have, have forgiven others. And, and 
number six is preparing yourself to walk in love. He says, lead us not into temptation. And these, this is what I'm going to cover for you in the next couple weeks. And then finally is establishing his authority. Delivering us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom. So today we're going to look at our Father who art in heaven. We're going to look at how to establish his presence in prayer. Because most of the time, when we come into God's presence, we throw out some demand. We start that way, and, and, and we throw out this demand, and we're like, see you, God, we'll see you later. When I need something, we're going to come to you. It's the standard operating procedure for a lot of Christians. And you wonder why prayer isn't something that's vital for you, because God is not trying to communicate that prayer is a transaction, it is a relationship. It is not you just coming to God to, to create a transaction between you and him to get your needs met. He's letting us know how to establish his presence in prayer by starting with our Father. Now here's a problem that I've noticed, and this is a problem that I think is universal, that a lot of times in our life, we don't realize what we do, and thank God for those of you that had great dads growing up, but those of you that didn't have a great father example, it's tough for you to pray our father, because we take the characteristics of our earthly father and we put it on our heavenly father, and we start to think that our heavenly father acts like the characteristics of our earthly father. Well, I want you to understand today, your heavenly father is much bigger than your earthly father. He, 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 is, he, is, he, is, he is greater than your earthly father. And God doesn't want transactional prayer with you. Okay, God, you did it for me today and I'm out. No, he wants a relationship with you that's established through prayer. Now, there's a dynamic when it comes to presence or dynamics of presence. So if you walk into the presence of somebody, there's this, there's this thought that comes. And, and the first is this, who you know that person to be. So when you come into God's presence, the first thing that begins to happen is who do you know that person to be or who is God? Who is God to you? Now here's what you have to understand. If prayer is going to work, it can't be your, your, um, your made up head knowledge of who God is. It has to come from who he is in the word. So it says who, who you know that, what that person to be. Then second is your position and level of relationship to that person. In other words, who are we in relation to God? This all has to do with presence. This has to do with being in the presence of somebody. How many know if I walked up to Michael Jordan today and I was in his presence, how many know he ain't got no idea who I am? Right? My relationship with Michael Jordan is nothing but a television screen and his shoes. Praise the Lord. That's it. That's, that's all I know. Right? Well, my relationship is going to be shallow with him because that's all I know of him. And then secondly, my relationship to him if my relationship is non-existent. So the next part is how confident I'd be in the presence of that person. So if it was Michael Jordan, how many know I'm probably not going to be like, what's up, Mike? How you doing, brother? You know, it's like I'm not comfortable. I'm not coming into his presence casually because he doesn't know me, right? If I walk up to Mike and be like, how you doing? All of his bodyguards would be like, what you doing, fool? You know, like, because I don't, come on. Now I want him to know me, praise the Lord. Put me in the will, Mike. The point is this, is that I can't be confident in the presence of, Michael, presence of Michael Jordan because I don't know Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan doesn't know me. So you have to understand that if you don't know who he is or who you are in relation to, uh, relationship to him, you won't be confident in his presence. You won't be confident in the presence of God if you don't know who you are. And you won't be confident in the presence of God if you don't know who he is. You will come in as just some, I'm just this lowly sinner. 
I'm just beat up, busted. I'm just this low life. I'm this worm. I'm this ant. Like you just come in with that mentality. Well, how many know your prayer life's not going to work? If you come in with that mentality, I'm just, I'm just a peon, if you will, and I'm coming into the presence of God, like you're not confident in it. And finally, how you hope or expect that person will respond. It's based on your confidence, which is based on who you are in relation to him, which is based on who he is. So I can only expect something of somebody that I have a relationship with because I'm expecting that person to follow through with what he said. So when it comes to prayer, we wonder why our prayers aren't answered. And I'm listen, I've been doing this thing for 27 years. I've been a pastor for 27 years. Just celebrated my birthday. I think it's 28 now. Praise the Lord. But listen to me today is that, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. I've done well. 48. Thank you. Appreciate it. Still here. Listen, though, the longer I pastor, the more I realize people have an incorrect view of God. People have an incorrect view of God because we have daddy issues. We have daddy problems. We'll put that characteristic of our earthly father on our heavenly father, and we have an incorrect view of God. The Bible tells us this. Again, he says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Again, we're establishing the presence of God in our prayer time. Hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed means to be set apart. It means to be reverenced as holy. It means to be honored and worshiped. The word holy literally means the word different. So when you come in here and when you're in your prayer closet, see, you're worshiping him because he's different. You're worshiping him for being different. You're worshiping him or you're hallowing his name to, because he's set apart in your life. And so if you're going to establish everything in the presence of God, you have to understand that you're worshiping him because he's different. He's not like everything else. He's not like anybody else. He, he, he's, not, he's, not trying to, he's not trying to mess with you. He, he, he's trying to get stuff to you. And he's trying to have a, a relationship with you and you have to understand you're worshiping him because he's different he's hallowed you hallow his name and it says most of the time we start with establishing everything that has happened in our life when we come to prayer god i got these problems i got these issues i got these situations but we never start with hallowed be your name we never start with i'm going to start my time of prayer with worship i'm going to start with lifting you up because you're different that's why we do praise and worship first we do praise and worship first before we get to the word because it's about worshiping him. It's about singing songs that go vertical into the heavens that talk about him. Look, we can sing songs all day about us. We can sing horizontal songs all day. Oh, how he loves us. That's not worship. That's you recognizing that he loves you. Worship is vertical. It's you are holy. It's I exalt thee. It's, 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 it's he's the lifter of my head. Worship's different. It's not just singing a song off a wall. See, because the reason you ho-ho-hum through worship is because it goes back to you don't know who he is. You don't know your relationship to who he is. You don't know your relationship to who he is. Therefore, you can't be confident. Therefore, it's just a song on a wall for you. You have to understand that when you establish who he is, it brings all your requests into focus. It's, it's, not, it's not my request and God's down here and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to request my life away. When you start to change your perspective and you put him on top and you start with him in worship, all of a sudden all the requests and all the problems and all the situations come into focus based on who he is. 
So it's an impossible situation. You can keep focusing on how impossible it is. You can keep focusing on the doctor's report. You can keep focusing on those things, or you can shift your mentality and start with the, with the worship of a God that is different. What do you mean by different, Pastor? I mean, when the doctors say you're going to die, he says you're going to live. Come on, man. When, he say, when the doctor says you're broke, he says you're blessed. Come on. That's why he's different. That's why we worship him. It's because he's different. Psalm 100 says this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship with the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs, knowing that the Lord is good. Come on, this is how he says you're to come before him. This is how you start your prayer time. It's, and he says, it is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Giving thanks to him and praise his name. Hallowed be your name. Praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is what it looks like to come into his presence. You come into his presence with joyful songs. You come into his presence with thanksgiving. You come into his, his courts with praise. And it says you praise his name. Listen, my exaltation of his name will lift the expectation of my prayers. Come on, somebody. The exaltation of his name will increase the expectation of my prayers. The starting place of prayer is not request, it's worship. It's praising his name. It's worshiping his name. It's, listen, God says, I'll inhabit the praises of my people. What's he saying? When my people lift me up, I'll draw all myself, I'll draw myself unto them. I will move in their midst. I will do what they cannot do when they lift me up. But here's the problem. We lift our problem before we lift our solution. We don't start with God. We start with the exaltation of ourself. We start with the exaltation of our problem. The starting place is not request, it's worship. So how do we praise his name? In relation to presence, you're gonna have to know his name. You're like, I got Jesus down, I know that much. Listen, I'm gonna give you nine of his predominant names this morning. You ready for this? We're gonna take a trip down Hebrew lane. I can't pronounce all of them, but we're gonna try. <laughs> the Hebrew, all right, we're gonna look at nine names of God because when you come into his presence... This is what you should be thinking about. Not the problem. You need to rehearse the names of God because you're praising his name. When you come in here on Sunday morning, you should already have been thinking about what name am I going to praise today? Mm, come on, somebody. Like, what am I going to do on Monday morning? What name am I going to praise on Monday morning? Because he's different. And my relationship to him is I'm one of his kids. Look, man, you're not just this broke down sinner. He called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Stop acting like you're some little peon underneath a piece of wood. Come on, somebody. You're a child of the, of the king. You're a daughter and son of God that I can approach his presence with boldness. I can come before his throne with boldness. And when I know that, my expectation is God, you are the God of the impossible and you will do anything I ask you to do. Come on, church. So the first one is this. His first name is Jehovah Sidkenu. Come on, somebody. Jehovah Sidkenu. It's the, it's the Lord is our righteousness. You can't understand prayer unless you understand your position. And it's not your righteousness. Our righteousness is his filthy rags. See, because it's his righteousness. It's, it's his. And, and his righteousness makes us righteous. 
To be righteous means that we're in right standing with God. That we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Whoa, come on somebody, because we were once out of alignment. And now we're, we are the children of God. That is now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm in right standing with him. Come on, you remember Forrest Gump? Did you make your peace with God, Lieutenant Dan? In other words, did you get in alignment? Are, are you in alignment? Are you in the righteousness? Why? Because shame comes. We drag condemnation. We drag shame into our prayer life, and it hinders our prayer life. God wants you to know there's no, no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. James 5.16 says the prayer of a righteous person, that's me and you. Those that understand that they are right with God and they are right in his presence and we are in alignment with him and our position is righteousness and right standing. He says the person that is righteous, his prayer is powerful and effective. The first name of God when you approach him is Jehovah Sidkenit. The second one is Jehovah M. Kadesh. Look at your neighbor and say, mm, Kadesh. M. Kadesh, Jehovah M. Kadesh, and it's the Lord who sanctifies you. It's the Lord that deals with all the junk in your life. So when you come to him, he's your sanctification. He's the, the Lord that sanctifies you. The word sanctify means to make holy. It means to make you different. I love this word sanctify because if God's different, he's trying to make you different. Come on, he's trying to set you apart. He's not trying to make you blend in with the things of this world. Come on, man, he's trying to make you different. He's trying to set you apart for his, his work and for who he is. 1 Corinthians six eleven says this, and that is what some of you were. you were. But you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. God is the one who is different. And he has called us out to live different. So when you go to him in his name is Jehovah M. Kadesh, you're asking, you're, you're just coming and you're worshiping him and you're thanking him for being Jehovah M. Kadesh in your life. You're, you're thanking him for who he is. Number three is Jehovah Shalom. Come on, peace somebody. The Lord is peace. This is what the word peace means. It means to be full of well-being. It doesn't mean absence of conflict. It means that in the middle of the storm, there's something in here that has me stable. John 16, says, I've told you these things. So that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Listen to that. Listen to that peace that rises up out of his, because that's who he is. He's Jehovah Shalom. So when you're worshiping and you're thinking about him and you're coming into his presence and you're praising his name, you're praising him for being the peace in your life. You're praising him for being the Lord who sanctifies you. You're praising him for his name. It says he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He's the Lord of my, he's, he's the Lord of peace. Number four is Jehovah Shammah. Uh, Jehovah Shammah is the Lord is there. The Lord is there. It is that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. I love this. Someone once said that God is a circle whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. He know, he's everywhere. So when you walk into that office tomorrow morning, you worship him as, as the God that is there. He's the God that's, he's the God, he's God Jehovah Shammah. And everywhere you go, he's there. So every, every situation you come in contact with, every time you find yourself struggling, whether or not you're lonely and whether or not, you know, you're dealing with anxiety and depression and loneliness, I want you to know the Lord's there. The Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
He's Jehovah Shammah. Number five, he's Jehovah Jireh. Now that's not the actual term. It's a lot of us say Jehovah Jireh. You guys remember that old song? Jehovah Jireh. Come on, some of you older folks, amen, in the room. Praise the Lord. It's the word, it's actually the word Yireh. It's Jehovah Yireh. It's the, it's, we say Jireh, but it's the Lord will provide. And it's, it's not just God in the money box. It's not he's just going to provide the money box and the money. It's, it's God who sees every need of his people and provides for those needs. Emotionally, physically, financially, relationally, every need that you have, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Yireh in your life. This word actually is the same Hebrew word used at Mount Moriah. It's the first time it's used. And it's the word Moriah is the area and the region where God sent Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. It's the first time it's used. Abraham takes his boy up and God tells him, go sacrifice your only son, Isaac. He gets ready to take his boy up the mountain. And as he's taking him up the mountain, he took the wood for the burnt offering and says he placed it on his son, Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? He's like, hey, we got fire and wood. Who's going to be the offering? Who's going to be the burnt sacrifice? Listen to what Abraham said. He didn't say, you're it. No, that's not what he said. He said, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. He said, God will provide the lamb. And said, the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Now, how many of you know this is kind of a strange situation? He's, how many know, hey, you know what, I just, I'm just going to have to bound you up <laughs> to put you on the fire today. You know, like it's just a weird situation, but notice what it says. It says, then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do, 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 not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld me, your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and took the ram, sacrificed it as the burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. It says, and to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. God is your provision. He's your provider. So when you come into his presence, you're coming in with that name. You're praising his name. Number six, Jehovah Rapha. It's the Lord who heals. Come on, it's the Lord who heals. First Peter 2, 4 says, by your stripes you have been healed. Exodus 15, 26 says, I am the Lord who heals you. That's first person. I am the Lord who heals you. Listen, we don't call him Jehovah Rapha. He calls himself Jehovah Rapha. We don't make his names up. He calls himself that. In other words, he doesn't have healing. He is healing. It's the same way with love. He doesn't have love. He is love. He doesn't have blessing. Or he, 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 he's not just, he, he is blessing. He's not just have it. He is blessing. So he says, I'm Jehovah Rapha. So in your body today, when you approach the presence of the Lord, you're not thanking him just for specific healing. You're thanking him for who he is as your healer. There's a difference there. You have to take it up before him and thank him for being the healer. Not just healing you, but being the healer himself. And number seven is this, Jehovah-Rohi, he's the Lord, our shepherd. He's your leader. He's your direction. Listen, he's your shepherd. 
Psalm 23, he is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Man, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, it comforts me. Behold, you'll prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over, and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, somebody. He's your shepherd. He's your leader. So in, in life, when you need leadership and you need direction, don't start with man. Start with God. Start lifting him up. If you need direction, Lord, I thank you that you're my shepherd. And you're not going to lead me into the pack of wolves. Come on, you're going to lead me into green pastures. John 10, one of his responsibilities was he's called the great shepherd. In John chapter 10, what's the role of a shepherd? They lead and defend. That's what they do. So you can ask the Lord today in prayer. If you need something, direction in your life, you can ask him for it. Why? Because you're praising his name as Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. Number eight, Jehovah Sabaoth. It's the Lord of hosts. It's the Lord Almighty. It's the King of Heaven's armies. First Samuel fourteen, uh, First Samuel seventeen forty five says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. There it is. See how David operated? He didn't come and say, you know, Ephesians six says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against principalities and powers and might and dominion. He says, we're supposed to pray in the spirit. We're supposed to come against those demonic forces. Well, how are we going to do that? We're going to have to do it like David did. You come to me with accusations in my mind, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Listen to me this morning. When you're fighting mental issues and problems and you're fighting things in your mind today, listen to me. You don't have to walk around with that because you serve the Lord of hosts. You can worship the Lord of hosts and you can begin to declare just like David did. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. What can man do for me and what can man do to me? All of a sudden you start to worship Jehovah Sabaoth. He's the Lord of hosts. Come on somebody. And all of a sudden when things start to take place and anxiety starts to hit your here and the, the javelins and the spears of the enemy begin to attack your life, all you have to say is you come to me with that stuff but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You will no longer torment me. You do that in prayer. Number nine, in closing, is Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is our victory. You say, Pastor, why are you so passionate? Because I know who he is. Why are you so confident? Because I know who he is. I've seen him work. I've seen him move. I've seen him heal. I've seen him bless. I've seen him change lives. I've seen him, but it's only for those that understand who he is. How can I come confident and boldly to the throne of grace? It's because I know who he is and I know who I am in him. I know who he is and I know who I am. So I come confident. And then when I leave his presence and in that moment, he goes with me. Come on. Because he's there. He's Jehovah Shammah. He goes with us. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And as he goes with us, it's not see you later, God. It's God, you're going with me and we're going at life together. And all of a sudden I start walking through life as, 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 as knowing that he is my victory. When I'm struggling with certain sins and things come up and anger issues and stuff begins to hit my life, I begin to declare that I came out of bondage. The Lord is my victory, so you will not bring me back into bondage anymore. He is our victory. He fights for us. 2,000 years ago, he came born of a virgin to walk the earth as a man. 
who would give his life willingly for us. He would die on a cross for us. He would go into a borrowed tomb for three days. He told him, what was he doing during those three days? He went to hell to get back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He went back to get the keys of authority of what Adam had lost in the garden. And he went back and he got the keys of authority. And he rose again and he went to his disciples and he got ready to leave the earth. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, I'm putting the keys of authority in your hand now. He said, now I want you to activate in this, in this, in this time and I want you to be my kingdom ambassadors. And I want you to know that I'm the Lord of hosts. And I, all of heaven backs your authority through my name. Be careful how you pray. The Lord showed me this this morning. Be careful how you pray. You don't pray to Jesus. I, watch, I listen to some of you pray. You're like, Jesus, Jesus, do this and Jesus, do that. Jesus ain't doing nothing no more. He already did it. The Bible says, our Father who art in heaven. You pray to your Father in Jesus' name. Jesus' name is the thing that has authority on it. So when you're coming, when you're coming into life and you're walking through life and stuff tries to get you, listen, Jehovah Nisi, he is your victory. The Bible says that he's given us, remember in Matthew chapter 6, and I'll close with this, Matthew chapter 6, that, that uh, there, Jesus having the discussion, who do men say that I am? Some say you're Bible, some say that I am. Peter says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, he says to Peter, he says, I'll build my church on that, the revelation of who I am. I'm going to build my church on the revelation of Jesus and who I am. And he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Notice what he then begins to say, behold, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. In other words, he's telling you he's the Lord, our victory. He took the keys and then he put it into your hands. What's the keys? The keys is keys of revelation of who he is. How do you operate in this thing called Christianity? It's not just coming to church. It's understanding who he is through revelation, knowledge, through his word. And when you understand who he is, then he just put a key in your hand. Now you can unlock and you can shut anything in your way. So now you got a key in your hand that says the Lord is my victory. So whatever's obstacles standing in your way today, church, all you got to do is take the key of victory that he is Jehovah Nisi. He is my victory and I can unlock and I can bind in Jesus' name. First Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, who is he? Who are you in relation to him? Can you come with confidence and leave with expectation? If you can't, here's Galatians 4, 6, and 7 for you. Why can you pray this way? Why can you lift up his name? It's because you are his sons and daughters. Listen, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls Abba, Father. That's what he says. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You're not a slave any longer to sin. You're not a slave any longer to the culture. You're not a slave any longer to that lust. You're no longer a slave to that bondage anymore. The Bible says that you are a son and not just a son, that if you're a son, you're also an heir. In other words, you get inheritance in the kingdom. So start praying like a son and daughter. Stop praying like a slave. 
Stop praying like somebody that's just bound up. In reality, that's not who you are. Sin has been broken over your life. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You are a son and daughter of God. So when you approach him and praise his name, now all of a sudden there's a confidence there because you know who you are and you know who he is, that he's my victory and he's my righteousness and he's my provider. And now all of a sudden there's a confidence when you approach him. And when you approach him, it's our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. He begins to respond to the cries of his kids. If my kid gets hurt and I'm within ear distance, I'm coming running. It's, that's the bottom line. It's in the natural. That's just what happens. If you hear your kid crying, you're not just going to be like, oh, I hope he gets over it. No, you're going to come running. You're going to find out what's wrong. You're going to come and be the role that God's called you to be. It's the same way with us as Christ followers, that we are his kids and we must begin to see ourselves as his kids. And then we cry out to him in his name. And we begin to praise his name as Jehovah Rapha, our healer. At Jehovah, Jehovah Shama, that he is there with us. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. And we just begin to praise him for who he is. It begins to establish the presence of God. Why? Because my exaltation of his name will lift the expectation of my prayer. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads this morning. I want to encourage you today. Some of you struggle with this message because of your father view. God can't just be the father. He has to be our father. It says our father who art in heaven. It doesn't say the father who art in heaven. He has to be our father. And maybe you're in this room today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. It starts with knowing Jesus. It starts with receiving the sacrifice of what he did. He's the bridge to our Father. And everything we do in life comes through Jesus. So we come through Jesus and we say yes to him. And and as we say yes to him, then our Father begins to make a bridge and we can have access to him. But it starts with us believing in Jesus, believing that he died for us, believe that he rose from the dead for us and we confess that with our mouth today and we believe it by faith in our heart and the Bible says you'll be saved. So if you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, that's me, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life today. I've never made him the Lord of my life or I need to come home today and make him the Lord of my life. If you're in this place, will you slip up your hand? I wanna pray for you this morning. Anybody in this room say, I need to come home today. Anybody at all say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's all pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to raise from the dead for me. I ask you to come into my heart today. Make me a new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap today. If you said yes to Christ today, please stop by the Next Steps area. We have a free book, uh, a free, uh, um, uh, what's this thing called, a box for you. And it says, I have decided. It's got a Bible. It's got a journal. It's got a book. It's got a Next Steps card, all that stuff in there. So please stop by. It's a free gift. Just grab that. And we want to connect with you. Again, small group signups are happening. Please stop by and meet a leader. Let's pray today. I believe that from this day forward, that go back and listen to this and go back and rehearse these names. Because when you go into his presence, don't go anymore. You might as well not go if all you're going to do is request because you're out of order 
You gotta go in with him first. And when you do, all things will be added to you. So Father, I pray for your church today. Thank you that as we exalt your name, we thank you today that Lord, it will raise our expectation in what you can do through our lives. And so Father, we praise you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Thanks for coming. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.